This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to famous people, well-known people, celebrities and experts in their field about their lives, their careers and those difficult moments. The reason I ambled on there, Jim, (laughs) is because I'd forgotten what I was going to (laughs) say. So I ended up uh, kind of ad-libbing a little bit there. You're supposed to be the one that knows the intro. I know, I have so much confidence in you. And I just thought, do you know what? He's just going on. He's just going on a different <laughs> route today. He's going on the scenic route. Fair play. Why not? Oh, no. Um, it's just terrible. Sorry. So I'm here with Jim Daly, of course. <laughs> hello, hello. 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 How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Apart from that awful introduction. But hopefully people got the I, gist. I think they got... I think they quite... I, I'm sure they liked it. I liked it. I like. You know, it's nice when we sort of do things a bit differently. I still haven't learned what the new intro is. Um, but Well, I'll sorry, just carry on doing do it, it and then you don't have to worry You do about. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll see we'll see what happens. But um I'm I'm good. It's it's a it's a fairly sunny day today. I'm I'm feeling quite positive. How are you? Very good. Very good. Yeah. I've had my vaccine. Mm. Um and uh, yeah. all okay. Had twenty four hours of feeling a bit rough, but I felt fine within a, the next couple of days and yeah, a bit of a sore arm. But other than that, not too bad. So yeah, oh, feeling good. very positive. And yeah, like you say, the sun's out. We've really hit the full eye of the spring. Spring's here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. spring is here. It's lovely. We've earned it. We've earned the yeah. spring massively. It's <laughs> we've really been put to the test and during winter. But uh, yeah, lockdown's eased a bit. Spring's here. It's it's, it's time to be yeah. positive, I think, and enjoy enjoy life uh, before lockdown four inevitably. <laughs> Rolls around so pessimistic. Come on, <laughs> joking. No, yeah. I think it's going to be all right. You know, you've got your vaccine now. My mum and dad have had their vaccine, so uh, you'll get yours in. I'll get mine at some, some point. point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's you know reason to be happy. Yes. Um, 
And we've got many reasons to be happy on this week's pod because we've got we've got a fantastic guest. I mean, we've got this this guy is an absolute I think hero of both of ours. Yeah, and, big hero. Um, turns out to be such a, such a nice guy, really fascinating guest. But it's the one and only Graham Coxon. I mean, yeah. it's just it's hard like, to believe, isn't musical it? Musical hero. Well, it's hard to believe sometimes that you when we say these names of people. I mean, yeah, he's an know, like a legend of the British music scene, really. Um, uh, innovative in you know in in a new I guess he, we talked about it a little bit those in the 90s where Britpop became a big thing but I think Graham Coxon for me always stood out slightly differently from the crowd um, probably because of again something we talked about on the on the episode about his sort of more eclectic music taste and where he'd come from musically um, and I think that came across in his in his playing style and certainly he worked that into aspects of of blur's repertoire but also his own solo work which is fantastic and i know you, you're a big fan of his solo stuff as well yeah as i sort of said during this episode is happiness and magazines got me through my final mm. year at uni it's just such a such a great album uh and yeah he's just he's just so down to earth though i don't mm. i don't know i think when we haven't had many musicians on the ones we've had have been been really nice yeah but you always sort of don't know what you're going to get possibly but he's just such a lovely down-to-earth guy very similar to us in terms of terms of sort of personality and um easy to talk to really open about the highs and the lows of you know his career and yeah just a just a top man and on this episode another reason we're excited is he gave us a little bit extra because this is the first time that we've got extra bonus content for our patrons yeah so we've got a patreon page we probably sort of should have done it ages ago i think we did start it set it up and it was we just didn't get the best out of it i think so we've decided to do this now because we can offer yeah. you know extra things to people and so yeah if you become a patreon subscriber to the podcast and there are various different tiers um you can get some extra content and obviously this is the first episode where we've offered that and we offered um up an extra little question to um graham which he answered very diligently and actually we got some really interesting conversation out of it yeah, really nice. Yeah, so if you're a big uh, Graham Coxon fan and you're listening now on the public feed, jump over to patreon.com forward slash blank podcast. And uh, for $5 a month, which works out at £4.50, apparently, that's the conversion now, apparently, according to Patreon, uh, then you can get some very extra, uh, interesting extra info from, from Graham. But there's other, there's other tiers there. There's a $3 tier where you can get episodes without adverts and 24 hours early. There's a $5 tier where you get the extra content. There's a, there's a $10 tier uh, where you can get access to uh, a blank patrons Facebook group, which I'm sure oh, is going to be lots of fun. Yeah, there amazing. we go. We can probably get some chat going and uh, 20% off our merch. And then there's a $12, $15 tier uh, where you can also get all of the above. Plus, we're going to be bringing you some bonus episodes as well mm. if you're on that tier. So um, well worth checking out if you're a fan of the podcast and you want that little bit extra. Yeah, and, there's, um, and I guess another important thing to say, Jim, is the reason we do these kind of things is obviously we don't earn any money from doing blank or very little money. We get a bit of ad revenue, but it's very small. So it just allows us to keep kind of making the podcast is the main thing, really. We love making it, and obviously we, we've done it for free, and we do it for free. You know, you can, if you don't, you don't have to obviously sign up for the Patreon. Um, mm. You can still get it for free, and you'll get as equally good a uh, an experience but you know it's just that little bit extra if people want to you know just support us a little bit more and and help us to keep doing this um you know 
that's that's kind of the reason behind it. So, so I think it's important to sort of stipulate why we why we do these things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the main pod will will not change. The one we've been doing for the last two and a half years that will keep 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 being free and keep being on the you know your main feed. But this is just a chance for anyone that wants to contribute in a way to help us sort of keep going and um we we then repay that love with these little mm. sort of bonus bits and bobs which we hope you'll enjoy as much as we enjoy making these episodes so if that all sounds good to you and you want to get involved go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast and you can sign up now and become a blank patron we would love to have you on board um one more uh, public notice, Charles, if I can, before mm. uh, we get into the episode with Graham. Just remind people about my live shows as part of Brighton Fringe, which is not far away now. Um, I'm doing two shows at the Caxton Arms, uh, Wednesday the 23rd and Thursday the 24th of June, both at 8pm. Tickets are £5, and if you go to jimdailycomedy.com forward slash gigs, then uh, you can buy a ticket now the second night. 24th is almost sold out. First night, there's a, there's a few more available, so if you... Uh, south coast based and you want to come and see me do some stand-up comedy my first ever solo live show i mean really enjoying writing it i'm having a lot of fun can't wait to share it with people uh then get to uh, get along to jimdailycomedy.com forward slash gigs and i'd love to see you there i'll be there um, on the thursday night i've got you're my there. tickets i saw your little the little email from eventbrite pop through jars Valley phillips very excited about that um yeah it's quite a few familiar faces actually coming along Good. which is really nice so uh it's gonna be a lot of fun um, so if you're a listener and you want to come along please do buy a ticket um, I think we should crack on with this episode well I've got a tweet I'd like to read first if I may oh, I nearly forgot about the tweets oh, nice. yes 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 because we get so many tweets and I'd love to read them all but I think that would be probably a bit boring for our listeners but it's nice <laughs> you know just to give our egos a little boost um, <laughs> I've got one here from Julie White um, her handle is Julie WH four seven eight five one two zero zero. Um, which is so Julie W four seven eight five zero nine nine was obviously taken. <laughs> it was um, lovely message from Julie. She says, "Listen to your last two uh, blank podcasts while I was working this afternoon." Giles, excellent as ever. You and Jim get a lot of real honesty on there, don't you? Uh, you obviously make them feel very at ease. And she also says she's nearly finished the book. <gasps> wow, that's quick. Yeah. Wow, fair play. Well, let us know what you think. I'd love to hear some feedback on. I know a few people have been popping up in my Twitter timeline uh, that have managed to get a copy of the book already. So please do let us know what you think of the book. Um, we'd love to. Yeah, we'd love to hear that. Um, and that's a lovely tweet to receive. I'm very what a nice. Thank you. Tweet because we do try and create a sort of nice atmosphere for our list, our guests. So it's nice to hear that that comes across. Um, I've got one as well, and it's from Charlotte Jackson. She said, I just listened to the Rebecca Callard episode. What a great chat. Got the feeling you could have carried on for hours. 100% Charlotte. We definitely could have done. Uh, but we had trains to get mm. home to. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was oh, that was back in the days when we could be at people's houses yeah, and, and meet people face to face. That was such a lovely afternoon we spent uh, with Rebecca. But um, yeah, and that's like episode four, I think, or yeah. five. So Yeah, what? way early doors. Yeah, Rebecca's lovely, lovely person. Managed to stay in touch with Rebecca. And um, I know she's doing well and she's doing lots of... Mm stuff at the moment so yeah she's brilliant and um, wonderful company indeed uh someone else's wonderful company is the legend that is graham coxon we're going to go into that episode now um you're gonna love it he's such a top man some fascinating insights into a fascinating to career so here is the one and only graham coxon on the blank podcast <laughs>
So I went for one of these, Graham, which is a little, this roadcaster thing. So you'd like these little portable, I mean, it's an interface, gen basically, but it's like a portable studio. Is that, um, um, that looks like good. a roadcaster. It's got lovely buttons on it. Yeah. Which they're I like. Squashy. You know, colourful buttons. Yeah, yeah, squashy I buttons. Like a squashy. Which you can add little, they're like triggers almost, so you can add little, like, uh, sound effects no, and things. don't talk about it comes, triggering. Of course it comes with... Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I use some big sort of audience thing, you know, audience stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, audience. Yeah. Am I right in thinking you've done some, like, like kind of guitar shows where you've been um, promoting their stuff? Yeah, I did. I do some bits for them. I've got... Um, I use their little interfaces. I just find them very simple and you can use external preamps and things very easily and bypass the preamps and the equipment. And Yeah. You know, it, it's very simple, my setup here. It's a small room. Um, easy so, to manage. Yeah. Uh, well, you can go a bit mad with these things. I'd I mean, like to I've go got mad, friends yeah. that... <laughs> yeah. I know. I've got friends that... Uh, I mean, I do have another studio oh. somewhere which is full on and it's got a desk in it and everything but i haven't really got access to that at the moment so. no so this is this is in your home is it yeah this is in where i yeah it's just it's kind of a small room on the ground floor but it's it's excellent you don't need much do you no and i think these days you don't either i mean i funny enough i i got my guitar out this morning which i hadn't done for ages and um just put in a i've got a little behringer interface it's just it's just got two inputs in it basically Plugged it into Logic, recorded, recorded a couple of riffs, you know, sent to the guys in the band. It was dead simple and easy there just to set up. And you can get decent sounds as well. I mean, you know, it was, it was, I've got a, you know, I've got a Mesa Boogie um, triple rectifier in the cupboard, which I hardly ever get out yeah. now because I just don't need yeah. to really. I use a lot of sort of two notes, the cab M thing and, and preamp yeah. pedals just go straight in and straight yeah no noise great yeah G graham giles is delighted you're on this week because he's going to be able to indulge <laughs> his <laughs> music oh. nerdiness which he manages to cram into well, the I'm not. pod there's two things we come in i cram talk about football most weeks somehow and giles will get in some music we're showing somehow. our colors aren't we um, oh well, that's fine i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> You know, I suppose I have my own specific takes on both of those things, so we, like we <laughs> but, all do. So, well, am I right? You're a Derby County supporter, Graham. Well, I kind of am. Kind of. I mean, that's that's where I'm from. I'm from Derby, right? Originally, I mean, I'm just outside Derby, um, <clears throat> Spondon, to be specific. Um, not that I lived there an awful lot, but that's my roots. Yeah. Well, that's the go-to for supporting a team, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I mean, I'm sort of Arsenal area, club. I suppose, where I live. Um, you know, I live up in sort of where Fairport Convention and the Kinks come from. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I, I guess you have to say, if it's a London team, I suppose it's Arsenal, I don't know. But um, Derby gets me out of a lot of trouble if I just say that, then I'm <laughs> And I'm forgotten about immediately. <laughs> yeah, so yeah I think there's something to be. <laughs> yeah, it's way more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. saying there's Arsenal. something to be said for supporting sort of lower league teams, um, for sure. Not you know, I'm not no no. Um, this isn't. Look. That's the same with us, Charles, isn't it? Because we're both Crystal Palace fans, and to be honest, most people again do the yeah. same thing. Oh, Palace, Eagles. okay, cool. No yeah, opinion. yeah, you get the you Eagles, get exactly. the um, oh, so you're the two supporters then. 
Um, uh, well, an old, old friend of mine, Andy Ross, who used to run Food Records, is a Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace fan. He's a Crystal Palace pan. <laughs> Crystal Palace. That's interesting. Um, that, that is yeah. interesting. <laughs> We've gone out. Okay. We're getting Freudian. Okay. Um, yeah, so Eagles, I, I know yeah. all about that. Yeah. Oh. Stuck in you. Obviously, you've come from uh, Derby's. I think you were born in Germany, right? And your dad was in the army, am I right? And you, that's kind of a bit of your musical heritage is from him because he was he played. Yeah, but probably true. Um, <clears throat> I um, he's a musician. He was a clarinet player, sometimes known as the licorice stick, sometimes known as the gloom tube. Some, you know, <laughs> it has all sorts of names. Um, but um, the gloom very tube. good uh, the gloom tube, <laughs> but a very good clarinet player. Um, That's great. So that was you know he had to do all the other kind of bits that sort of army people have to do. You know he was he was um, in Ireland a lot and things like that during mm. the mid seventies when I was six around that sort of time. And um, but yeah, I mean he had records and um, I was born in Rintown in uh, it's a British military hospital out there. And lived in Berlin for a bit, and um, I, I was basically yeah a, 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 an army estate kid. They were pretty rough. They weren't you know quite rough places at times, but I was just sat in front of a load of Beatles records pretty much at an early age, and and that was it. I I was as well actually. My mum was a huge Beatles fan, and we had we didn't she didn't have a lot of records but the ones she had she had mostly all the Beatles records the Carpenters she was really into as well um wonderful melodies um but yeah the Beatles was uh, yeah Sergeant Peppers I always got out because it was such an interesting like the the sleeve art and everything was so great and looking on the back with all the numbers of all the people and checking it off um yeah but just such fantastic records and kind of come back to them more recently actually it's, the recording on those records is just phenomenal uh, yeah I mean I, 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 I do love the Beatles yes we had the Carpenters too as, as well which is pretty amazingly produced stuff yeah um, <clears throat> a bit later though and also the Leo Sayer album where he's in the sky with white flares on okay that, I, that one was <laughs> knocking around and a lot of Beethoven um, so quite so eclectic oh wow Sunday, yeah Easter Sundays were oh to joy that's what oh, really? we look for East, look for our Easter eggs <laughs> That's to quite, uh, joy. Quite anxiety-inducing music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't need any more inducement to anxiety, really. But yeah, it was there if I if I really wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were the first Beatles records that you enjoyed listening to? Then, did they have singles, <clears throat> or was it all um, LPs? Well, there was the singles. Um, they had leather-bound singles, and that had all all of the, I suppose, the commercial music of the time. So mm. there'd be Dizzy from Tommy Rowe next to, you know, there'd be Revolution and Hey Jude. They had the single of that, and I would, I would put Turn 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 by Mary Hopkin on quite often because I couldn't read, and it was the white side of the apple. Oh. I just looked for the white side of the apple, which was the B side, and I wanted to listen to Revolution, and I couldn't really understand why sometimes I get Revolution, and sometimes <laughs> I get this Mary Hopkin <laughs> song. So there, there was a lot of frustration, um, but but mainly albums, and it would have been, you know, Rubber Soul, Abbey Road, 
um, Revolver and Sergeant Pepper. They were the main ones. Mm. My dad would have Abbey Road parties, really, where they'd play that album back to back all night. Just that album. Wow. I've heard a lot of people doing that, actually. I mean, we don't... I don't feel like we consume music in the same way now, obviously, with streaming sites. We we tend... I mean, I I try when I can to listen to a full album, but we, generally we're just sort of designated to playlists now. Um, and yeah, skipping. and I yeah, but re- recently I got a record player again, and um, a, a new one. I've got one, an old one. It doesn't mm. really work very well, so I got a new one, and um, got some of my records out. And and actually, I sat down. I put an album on, and I sat down. And I can understand why people would listen to a whole album when you're on vinyl, because you have yeah. to get up and change, you know, you'd have yeah. to be lifting the it's arm effort. all the time. It's an effort. So you'd rather just <laughs> stay sat down and listen to the whole thing. And, you know, obviously you have to change the record over halfway through, flip it over. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, I can't be bothered. And, and, and you're getting on with uh, mm. the conversation and, and, and the vino drinking and the dessert and all of that. But, you know, mm. so no one wants to be fiddling about with, you, you know, it was, it was mm. much more sort of civilised. And, and I suppose it was a bit more backgroundy until it got later on after dinner when you start turning, mm. turning it up and doing, do, doing the mud dance. <laughs> when the vino's kicking in. <clears throat> yeah. Or, or jigging to turn, turn, turn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it has um it's definitely become easier isn't it it's a lot easier to listen to music now or pick any song that sort of comes into your head i think there was a, a beauty of listening to an album all the way through uh i'm trying to think what the first album Johnny i ever Rachel. bought was the supernat supernaturals yeah generated supernaturals supernaturals yeah they were like a sort of i remember the supernaturals weren't they on oh, food records yeah, possibly they were Scottish I think I think they were from from Glasgow anyway but just, I used to listen to it again and again and just I mean that was on tape or CD I think but I would just listen to it over and over again I don't know where I'm going with this space I'm just reminiscing about old music um, but yeah, yeah I guess it has I mean changed. well the album like the um, albums when albums became the thing in the late 60s I suppose you know um, you know I, I, a lot of my albums are sort of jazz really and prog rock and and so um, the albums I have here anyway. Mm. So it doesn't always make sense to be interrupting the flow, if you know what I mean. Or if you well, get think... into a particularly wiggly area that goes on for 15 <laughs> minutes, you might urge the needle up a bit, but that's about it. <laughs> no, I think those styles of music, those genres of music are definitely more adept to like listening to on vinyl. I mean, I, I'm a big prog rock fan. I love things like King Crimson and... Um, well and tall and things like that obviously more metal kind of prog and there's obviously Degent stuff which is obviously my friend's really into a band called Tesseract who do these kind of very kind of um, very sonic kind of sounding albums which are great they sound amazing on 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 vinyl um, but yeah there is that sort of temptation to just stick it on a on Spotify or whatever because it's just that much easier it is. I mean, my the, it, yeah. I've just had a new thing put in, and and if I want to, I can go to my phone and just press play on my Apple thing, and it will automatically start coming out of the speakers in there. You know, I, I'm not very good at technology and things like that, so mm. I've got this amp that sort of will just do that, but also 
it will let me play records the old-fashioned way as well. Oh, that's um, nice. But yeah, I mean, I I got into that in Colchester, playing in bands. I used to play in quite hippie sort of improvisation bands, playing the saxophone, just sort of improvising. And um, they were sort of people that were in uh, that got me into sort of matching mole, um, soft machine, Robert Wyatt, Van de Graaff generator, Gong. Um, did I say Caravan? Maybe Caravan. And um, mm. a lot of a lot of this, King Crimson, and all of that at quite an early age. And um, so I was, um, I was, um, oh, I think I've been... We've gone. lost we you, just, Graham. Have we lost him? Uh, sort of. Oh. We lost uh, you. Yeah, I, va- I vanished for a minute. That was, Hello. Uh, that was odd. So yeah, yeah, I got into that sort of stuff from, from quite an <laughs> early age and was thrust into playing this sort of imp- long improvised prog rock live at the Colchester Arts Centre, you know, quite often while people ate carrot cake in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was great. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's quite an early age to get into you- prog rock though because I think, you know, I, I suppose I came to it like maybe in my late teens. I felt Maybe I felt more ready for it, but... To be quite well, late teens is about when I did really. Oh, okay. It was about when I was about 17, I suppose I got in there via things like the Velvet Underground and Pink Floyd. Mm. Um, the doors I I listened to for five minutes and, and then left that alone, and so <laughs> you know, and 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 it gradually it got more and more. But a lot of the kids in Colchester were they, they there was a lot, there was a kind of quite a big squat, squat sort of culture. And there's a there was a lot of bands that came out of that culture and um, and a lot of sort of hippies um, and um, alternative living types, all, all going to the pubs that they were designated because um, you know you went into a wrong pub when I was sort of eighteen with a tw- Harris tweed jacket on and o- overall stinking of turps and oil paint. I'd get chased out by um, squaddies, so you had to be very yeah. careful where you went in Colchester so we had our pubs that are sort of hippie pubs where punks goths students all all the weirdos went basically and the jukeboxes were great in in those places because you just get dead Kennedys next to brass next you know everything (laughs) just yeah so it it was excellent you get all these sort of the the sort of hardcore sort of metally punk people the the goths and then and then sort of people that were basically witches and, and then art students and any other sort of people that weren't particularly mainstream. Oh, that sounds amazing. Do you, do you guys, do you two ever go back and listen to old sort of music that you really loved as a kid or old songs that mean much to you? That often? I do. Yeah, I, 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 I do. I do. And um, it has an amazing effect on me after if I haven't listened to it for a while um, and and recently I've been I, I've been wondering at Always and Forever by Heatwave you know which I remember just I think being in the charts I think it's the late 70s mm-hmm. isn't it that and just what an amazing song that is and and, and reappreciating things that maybe I didn't particularly like at the time and now realizing how just how fantastic that that was and and also because of recording a lot myself and getting more into sort of production techniques and all of the rest of it mm. enjoying things purely from a production standpoint um 
Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, even like I'd never really listened to Steely Dan until about three years ago. And then suddenly I listened to just Steely Dan for about 18 months. Nothing else. It's it's great driving <laughs> music, Steely Dan. I remember, That's what I was doing. Exactly. Yeah. But I yeah, was in Los Angeles li- listening to Steely Dan, you know, bouncing yeah. along these horrible freeways or whatever they were. Yeah, it yeah. Was cool. Yeah, I used to um, rent. I had a room in a like, sort of lodge with my family, and the dad of the family he loved Steely Dan. He was a massive Steely. He'd always have Steely Dan playing, so I was always kind of immersed in Steely Dan. And um, yeah, I mean, there's the recording, the the, the actual studio albums were fantastic. I mean, mm. they're just amazingly, the production's insanely good. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever That's heard good, of You would have, you would have, man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not knowingly, not maybe not knowingly. Yeah, I didn't think I had, but then there's definitely uh, two or three that you'll go, ah, oh, right, yeah. 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 Uh, there are some bands like that, aren't there? They're sort of, they sort of seeped into your... No, your, yeah, uh, you'd probably know yeah, reading world, in the like years. Really yeah, reading in the years, you must know reading in the years. <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will Google it, it later, yeah. and I will listen. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> I'll let you guys know. Um, but yeah, because I, I, I listen to old music. Like I, I, I'll use again Supernatural as an example. But if I listen to a Supernatural CD again, I would feel like fifteen. Yeah, it does again. take you back. Like it would literally make. And then I'd sort of look down and realize I'm in a thirty-six-year-old man's body. But like I would. It really, really transports you back to a time. It's bad to have music. It is. It does it. It does it more than anything else. I mean, it really just does it. Mm. I don't know how, but music is the only thing that that almost brings me to tears or brings to the surface the emotions that are buried so deep. Yeah, and inaccessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, it brings them right up here. You know, like um, blood to to a graze. You know, when you've grazed yourself mm. and you're like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. And then you see this blood coming up. It's like, oh, okay. Um, it's kind of like that's. It's sort of <laughs> like that for me. And, and music really does that. Even the crap that I hated, you know, when I was younger. Like, I mean, that you sort of re that you reinvestigate and you realise is fantastic. And um, so it, it definitely does. And and um, yeah, I mean. It's 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 a, it's a funny thing, and it, it just sort of it leaves these sort of markers throughout your life. There are things that I sort of come back to again and again mm-hmm. and again as a sort of a different person, and then I'm reminded of the person I I was when I was first really listening to that stuff, and um, because the stuff I think you listen to you get into during your teenage. I mean, there, there's some slightly mad stuff that I got into during my teenage that I'll never shake off. You know, uh, even if I wanted to, <laughs> things like Van de Graaff Generator, which is pretty heavy, dramatic, kind of very highly personal, mental at times. Um, and if I was to be played that now, I'd be like, I don't, I'm not quite sure about mm. this. Stuff, you know? But because it got a hold of me in the teenage, I mean, that music never lets go of you. It's always, it's always there, isn't it, forever? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But also at that, at that age, teenage years, like everything means so much anyway. So the music you're into is just going to... Everything you're into then just means the world. So that music is obviously going to mean everything to you. So of course it's never going to leave. It's just such an important part of of who you are. Um, but yeah, it is mad how it, sort of gra- it grabs you at that age and then it just doesn't, doesn't let go. 
Um, again, pretty supernatural. So now I keep Andy will be it. happy. Seminal, seminal 90s band, you know. Just, I can't, you know, <laughs> great. They were great a good band. band. Great, great first I remember album. them being a good band. They were. Yeah, they were. Third album was a bit weird. Third album went a bit weird. But um, <laughs> first two were unbelievable. Weirdly, the drummer followed me on well, Twitter. Because you keep going on about them in every podcast. <laughs> I think I'm the only person that's still talking about them post 19. So, from I uh, it sounds like you know that you know going to those parts. I was the same as you. I probably went to pubs where um, you had like you know I know this is a often used term these days, but you find your tribe and you you start to um, meet like-minded people and they're into the same kind of music as you and you're kind of in the circle of trust with these people. But it's it's a bit of an education that time, isn't it? You're you're getting to. I mean, for you, it sounds like actually you know you're mixing with lots of people who are into different kinds of music that have it's kind of um, it's set up a narrative in in the kind of music that you've created yourself over the years. Would that would that be a fair thing to say that you know a lot of that stuff has stayed with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I was when I was starting to learn the guitar. I was listening to very guitar-y sort of music. Although I liked a bit of <clears throat> "Speak and Spell" by Depeche Mode. I thought that was genius, and mm. a little bit of um, Human League and stuff like that I, um, any of the electronic music and, and some of that I thought was really good but mainly I was in a world of the kinks the who the jam quite quite moddy music quite guitar-y mm. music and because it was going with me um, progressing with the guitar and then I would get into you know the Arbors and I'd get went, went into Cream and then there'd be uh, Pink Floyd and what they were doing with guitars and there'd be Hendrix and and ever 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 expanding really in that in that way and um so um yeah you 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 oh i've sort of forgotten what the question really but <laughs> don't worry <laughs> i do that a lot well, no, i was just sort of saying that that sort of informed your is that that time of spending the time with all those different uh, types of people, people that are into different types of music has kind of informed your musical journey, I suppose. I Absolutely. I find myself influenced or I listen back to something that I've done, maybe on one of my records or maybe with with Blur and I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's the George Harrison is so obvious there or mm. the Peter Hamill is so obvious here. Um, and and I see the influences. I mean, they, 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 they make themselves obvious afterwards to me, maybe not at the time. Um, but it, it it's all all informed. I mean, it's sort of like a, a rucksack of, of of stuff that you carry around, and um, and it's filled with phrases and flavors and sounds and and all of the rest of it. And at any given moment, when when we were writing with Blur or whatever like that, I'd go, all right, something in my rucksack really matches up with this, and I'd mm. get it out and 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 sort of play it on the guitar, yeah. and it would and it would fit. And and quite often, and this happens a lot to me, is I will dream whole sections of songs. And um, wow. mainly if I'm working with something, I, I, you know, I'll have a chord progression that's going through my, my head. Um, and it will be going through my head constantly, whether I like it or not. And um, during processing my day-to-day -day life in sleep or whatever like that, my, I, I, I know that my brain is still working on 
melody lines and things like that that will go with this chord progression and it's a it's a really odd feeling i'll wake up and there'll be a melody like that and i'll go oh this is oh actually yeah this is a melody that goes with that chord progression okay and i'll get my phone and i'll sing it in and and then um half an hour later i'll record it so it's it's and and i've and i've um i had a a a sort of um i dreamt a whole section of a song which was really odd and it had the backing harmonies it had the rhythms it had the tight it had vibraphones it had um guitars it had all kinds of stuff and i had to write a song around it this section it had a particular chord change which was which was really lovely and it almost had a sort of an atmosphere the sound of um quite an easy listening ray charles um you know i can't stop loving you those kind of old school, late 50s, early 60s backing vocals. Um, So I had to write a song around it, which took a little bit from, I had too much to dream last night. And and, you know, (laughs) I had to piece together like like music Lego from the rucksack and get this song together. That song hasn't been released. It's on an album that I haven't put out yet. It's been sitting around, but but it's one of my favorite things because it 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 was a strange gift. And this happens, it happens mm. a lot where, where melodies and chord progressions are just sitting, waiting on my brain for when I wake up. It's like the elves have come in, you know, the elves <laughs> and the shoemaker sort of thing. It's really, really weird. Has that, have you always had that since you started playing? Or was that intensified as you've got older and you've, you know, you've obviously I got I think the first experience. time that happened, it was, it was it was the oh my baby bit in tender by blur i woke up and yeah. that was like it's like and then later on that day we we had that song going and i was like i think i have another bit for this this song and then i put the it's only two chords E-O-A. just stick that in and, <laughs> and it just seemed to be this other little little bit <laughs> And it, it's always amazing for me when, when Blur or whatever do the big shows like Glastonbury and then there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people after we go off stage just singing that bit. And and it's just something that wow. one morning, half a sweet, you know, pre-cup <laughs> of tea, everything, um, that was just sitting in my head. It's um, It's pretty weird, yeah. It's amazing, that. It is. Um, I'm... <laughs> brains are amazing like brains are amazing the, the stuff they process when you're not even one you're not thinking about it two you're not even awake <laughs> and you're it's amazing what they do i just love the idea that it's taken all these bits music that you heard that day music that you heard 20 years ago whatever phrases things someone said to you feelings through that day process it all in and then it sort of chucks it out when you're sleeping and then you become like this detective in the morning trying to like piece together these little clues that you've got sort of like a musical Columbo <laughs> just one more thing and then this little bit comes and this little bit comes it's just it's a fascinating process but I guess you can't it, it you is. always I, can't I've explain tried, it I've just, thought about it, it a lot I've thought to my therapist about it I've talked to everyone about it it's sort of like what's going on there is and and, and pe- people when they're nice will say well that's your genius and I'll go oh come on but <laughs> actually actually it's 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 it, it is really a sort of to do with an obsession you know i think musicians and things have that earworm to such an extreme degree that it drives them nuts 
and um, and even it's an earworm of something them that they themselves have created, and their brain it, 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 it's like the washing machine going round, and and your brain can't leave it alone, and suddenly it just starts creating bits to go with it. <laughs> it just does it on its own. Yeah, and then you, you yeah exactly you exactly. with. I was once working for a. I was once looking for an animated football website, writing a few songs, and same sort of thing. Like sometimes wake up in the morning, have a little thing. Woke up one morning, thought, "Oh my god, I've got this amazing tune in my head." Went to work it out, and it turns out it was uh, Billy Joel, "My Life," <laughs> uh, which has obviously already been done, and I'm uh, quite a favourite song. That's a I was like, oh, fantastic yeah. chord progression this good, on this. But... The melody's fantastic. He was oh, like someone that. else. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I've smashed it. I thought it. you were going to say it was a supernatural yeah, song. They'll never leave me. It's amazing though. So when you started playing, was it, was being in a band, uh, was, it's interesting. I watched a thing about Fugazi the other day and Ian Mackay was saying about, um, you're a Fugazi fan, aren't you, Graham? I'm, yeah. 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 We'll talk about them them, later. Um, but he was saying that, uh, that he didn't want, when he, when they started Fugazi, it wasn't about being in a band. It was about making music and creating music as opposed to and playing music as opposed to being in a band but was it for you was when you started playing was it about music or was it about being in a band because i think when i first started playing the guitar it was about being in a band as opposed to kind of necessarily playing music yeah i I suppose it was making music um because i played the saxophone first and i was the sax player at our school that's why damon sought me out um in the first place because um, he had this song he wanted a sax solo on it and he was going around Michael Morris's house because he had a four track recorder to record this song and he and so I went along and I just did the did a little sax solo on it so it was really about my collaboration started with Damon from from then and it was about friendship a new friendship we were getting to know each other I was getting to know his family we were hanging out a lot and also we were just writing stuff or or, or or really that was the start of a quite a creative a change in outlook of, of, of mine into a more creative area into more of like painting sculpture and aesthetics and all of the rest of it plus hanging out with someone who could play the piano I could play the sax and I was starting to learn the guitar when I was 13 so that was about making music but then obviously yeah you have to sort of expand and you have to get a drummer and and, and, and things like that and I suppose Blur used to say something about it being like a little gang but it's difficult I can't I, I, I can't I almost can't get my head around that what you said Ian Mackay said it's about making music it's not being in a band and I'm I'm trying to separate the two and my brain can't quite do it <laughs> because well, no, I, it, took, it, I, it took me a while to compute it but I kind yeah. of understood what he was saying in that he'd I guess he was saying um Rather than, like, I guess the the process of being in a band, like doing gigs and all the other stuff that comes along with being in a band, as opposed to just creating music with some people in a in a room. I suppose that was probably more. Maybe it was more from a, per, a commercial point of view, which obviously is something that they were never really into anyway. But yeah. that's kind of how I sort of took it. Yeah, I still can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there's so there's so very much those four individuals mm. um you know you know i'm I, i'm a big fan of git geek and, and yeah know, he's um, brilliant 
and I, I I love that live clip of them doing. Is it the waiting room? Is it yeah. Room? Oh, when he's singing the live the... clip. Yeah. And they've all you know, and they're and what I loved about that that group there was there was that unself consciousness, um, which I can learn a lot a lot from. But you know, um, it's sort of yeah. that they would. <laughs> They would be dancing and expressing themselves, moving, and um, although it seemed aggressive and there was a lot of it, and it was very emotive and it was about outpouring and um, getting inside out and not internalizing and externalizing. I mean, mm. th- there was a lot I could have learned from them had I had, you know, really, really, really tried it out and as as a, some has somebody who has internalized quite a lot in their life. Mm. But I love that clip because it's almost like it really reminds me of the i'm the king of the swingers you know that bit (laughs) (laughs) in jungle bar everybody's kind of hanging off of things and they're on top of the speakers and they're all like really in it i don't know if you know the clip clip i mean yeah i I know exactly because it's on instrument i think it's just an incredible clip of, of music with everybody is in Involved. They're they're on the stage. They're on the speakers, and everyone is absolutely inside this 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 sound and this this music and what it all means to them. And it must have been an incredible feeling. I mean, you just don't get gigs like that. No. Yeah. Well, I guess it's well. For a start, we'll find that clip and put it on our Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So it's there's a one of the best music documentaries ever is the Fugazi one it's called Instrument and there's I think they had a guy that literally filmed them from the get go he filmed like nearly every gig I think they've they recorded every gig audio I think you can go on their website and you can find all their gigs like an audio version of it which is incredible um, over a very long career I mean went for 20 odd years I I saw them a couple times in Brighton and they were by far the best live band I've ever seen yeah I saw Uh, them in Brighton a few times Oh yeah, I saw them at the the East Wing. Um, it was just such a fantastic yeah. gig. Do you remember who was so, supporting? I can't remember actually. Mm, I think they only had one support band. Was it in the mid nineties? Yeah, ninety six, seven maybe. Yeah, it probably was around yeah. then. Because I remember I saw them with Slant Six down in Brighton. No, I really love Slant Six too. Oh, it might that, have been Slant Six. But, but yeah, yeah, it was. It, a, it was. It was. It was, it was great. I think that was. One of the last, I mean, that was a very alternate reality to mine. Um, but it was one I, I loved because I liked the commitment to that everyone had for that mm. music, the politics of it, everything. You know? Yeah. Um, it was a real, for me, extremely positive. For a lot of the mainstream press, they took the mickey out of it and all the rest of it and, and, and tried to wind it up a little bit. But for me, I, I, I loved that commitment to the music because that's what I always thought it was about. Um, you know, being in a more... Make, what, what happened eventually where Blur and everything and the Britpop thing kind of happened bang mm. in the middle of, of, of the 90s and it became a sort of more mainstream thing and it became... You know, that slightly got lost in in the great machinery you know where we had to have eight b-sides per release almost you know it, That's and mad, it isn't was it? starting to get a bit yeah was that a weird time i mean like, with that phenomenon because it was it just it, i guess it felt like it came out of nowhere but it obviously it hadn't it grown but it did did feel like a lot of bands like yourselves and um radiohead and and you know 
Cape Early. I'm trying to think of some of the other bands that were around at the time, but there was a there was a huge like you say the press the media was all behind it and obviously there was the enemy and the melody maker and everything it just felt like you were all kind of shoved in front of the spotlight very yeah. very fast i mean yeah i mean there was there was a race and pulp and suede mm. and um vet supernaturals <laughs> all very very different approaches yeah. as well you know we, it, that's why i didn't particularly and Supergrass are just unsung really I yeah mean, incredible yeah, incredible band that moving song was on in the DIY shop yesterday I had to buy a chisel and um, <laughs> and I was just like this what a song you know it's absolutely brilliant and they and they, they yeah. are really sort of unsung heroes for want of a better thingy um, of Britpop fantastic songs great and such a good band um, I don't know how it felt I don't really know I, I thought that I had almost killed, helped kill one of my favourite sort of musics, you know, indie music. I was really into indie stuff in the late 80s. You know, I had creation records, compilations. I was a huge My Bloody Valentine fan and yeah. and all the rest of it. And it, and I went on the roller coaster tour with Jesus and Mary Chain and Dinosaur Jr. and My Bloody Valentine in 1992. And then just after that, really, it was like blip, blip, pop, whatever. Um, just bulldozed through and mm. and that was it <laughs> and I kind of felt and yeah. you know and and you you dream about that sort of thing you 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 want to be on top of the pops perhaps that's all you want and and I did that pretty quick and um you know we we got top 10 things pretty quick our second single I think was got to number eight and you very quickly have to think up new dreams because you've done it your very simple outlook yeah, yeah. we do gigs yeah. yeah we'll be in a band yeah we might get signed yeah oh, top of the pops yeah and then sh- oh done all that i didn't really think beyond it you know mm. in my world of what i what would be quite a nice thing to happen um by 1993 or whatever that had all that had happened you know and uh and you sort of sign up for it and 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 when when it doesn't quite go well you go into a sort of a the unknown and it and it and um it becomes big and you and there's a lot of work and there's a lot of pressure and um you suddenly um realize that you know you're on tour for two months and you very quickly um get to know your limit on partying (laughs) you know (laughs) it's like you know mum and dad isn't around you've got a tour manager but you're ignoring him and uh, you're in a room with free booze, free everything, every night of the week. You go to a, a bus that's full of free booze, you know, every night of the week or whatever. Or you're in a hotel and you go out, you're taken out by the record company. It's free booze. And then you wonder why you uh, can't stop crying after three weeks. You know, you're sort of like, so you very quickly get get to um, to a point where I don't know what's happening to me. What What's wrong mm. with me? What What, you know, it's really yeah. weird. And that, <laughs> and you're young as well. You're young, yeah. and yeah, you know, it's a weird time. There's anyway. an awful lot of downtime when you're in a band as well. Yeah, I think. I mean, you're travelling a lot, which is tiring. You're, you know, waiting for sound checks and what have you. So it's occupying that mind, isn't it, as well? Yeah, you're sitting with yourself a lot. I mean, you have a good laugh and everything, but mm. if you're sitting there with a brutal hangover, I mean, and you're like oh, six more hours. I mean, what are you going to do? you're going to knock the edges off you know mm. and and 
and and and yeah. and, and really i mean then you're getting onto a sort of a slippery slope which which i definitely was by the end of the 90s so i was near the bottom of the slippery slope um so it it it, it is it is it is it is odd and everyone is trying to get through it as best they know how and because no one's done it before mm. you can't possibly mm. know what is in store for you yeah i was gonna say as well i, I can't imagine there's a lot of support because i guess everyone's sort of having their own experience of it at the same time that no one is anyone really supporting each other through this and well, like, you know, i think they can kind of to a certain extent kind of deal with it eventually themselves. I think people people do, but but for the main part, this is our. You know, I spent a lot of my teenage years watching the Kids Are All Right, the Who film, and that's what I thought. Mm. Bands, I thought Pete Townsend and Keith Moon. That's what you did. That's what being in a band was. You chucked a guitar in the air. You know, you sort of. Mm. You know, there was some blood and all the rest of it, and then you, and then you drank. <laughs> you know. Um, but flipping out, that hurts after a bit. Mm. I don't know. How Was there a significant? No. Was there a significant moment, Graham, where you realised that you had to make changes, though? Um, there was. I mean, I, it was pretty, pretty innocent, really, for for a good while. But I suppose I was drinking every day in sort of a nice, normal sort of way with friends down the pub or whatever, and then. You know, it would be from from six o'clock. We'd start playing pool and have the, and and. But after the pub shot, I go home. Maybe get some chips and pit of bread from the thing in me jiggy, and and uh, go home. Um, and that was fine for me. Um, but um, a few years later, then it's like no, the pub is shutting. There has to be something else, or my hangover is so bad I might have to knock the edges off earlier mm. or earlier than six and um that's when sort of yeah i mean it does it does it does creep up on you until then very late when was this 2001 perhaps um yeah um i couldn't stop (laughs) it was as simple as that you know i got up uh, I felt so my anxiety was out of control. I mean, I mean, I, I think what the reason I drank in the first place was because of anxiety. I mean, I think I've suffered mm. from anxiety since I didn't know it was anxiety. I just thought that was the that mild buzz of uh, embarrassment uh, and nervousness was was how what it felt to live. I thought that's what being alive felt like. But I realised at some point in my mm. teenage that a bottle of wine. Um, just shut all that off, shut it down, stop the negativity, the the, the negative self-talk or whatever, um, or stop the over-obsessing or, you know, all of that stuff. It just brought it to, um, you know, I became kind of almost like a suave young person, you know, after a, after a bottle of wine. I thought, well, this is the ideal state of mind for for a person you know why doesn't everyone in the world do this why don't everybody have a bottle of wine um little did i know though that i was i mean this is very alcoholic thinking and Mm -hmm. um and that sort of that feeling of not fitting in that feeling of that sort of very Mm -hmm. self-negating internal dialogue um 
and that sort of pacing and that sort of feeling alienated or apart or feeling like you're under glass or not being quite being a part of the human race these are all pretty symptomatic of a sort of an alcoholic um, or somebody who will use alcohol to relieve himself of all of those pretty weird feelings I mean it can be anything else you know it doesn't have to be alcohol but uh, but I, I do I do believe that um, I was probably an alcoholic when I was um, five six it was ready it was sitting there just because of the sort of person the sort of mind I had um, I, I I just sort of had to wait 10 years to find the thing that went whoa that's that's fantastic uh, that I've just had two glasses of wine or that wine has even just touched my lips and all of that has disappeared I feel absolutely cool as a cucumber I'm a success at parties and you know, well you kind of think you are and you think everybody yeah. else is the same it's, it's a really mm. really strange feeling but that got kind of out of hand when when yeah I actually couldn't stop I'm more I was more of a binger I could go for a long time without it but then once I started I couldn't really stop and it could go on for days but in 2001 towards the end this was months and I started to think oh my god I better do something about mm. this this is getting a little bit scary and so yeah I, I had to go in somewhere and get sorted out yeah. yeah but once you understand that it's a lot easier to sort of deal with and and it's a lot easier to um, you know it, it takes a lot of people quite a few goes I mean it did it did for me I stopped started mm. I thought you know it's been a few years I'll, I'll give it another go and then you know within a couple of weeks I'm like oh no maybe that wasn't a good idea and, he, and mm. so I would stop and start and believe I had things under control and then be proved wrong again you know I think I think it's got a hold of me again and things like that and and until now you know I've had I've had enough goes at it to be able to um to know where it's going to lead you know also you know 12 mm. steps and all of that I mean I couldn't I don't think I could um, stay absolutely away from uh, I totally lost the compulsion to drink since since 12 steps mm. and it, it, it kind of um, you know I'm not particularly meant to meant to say that I don't I, I, I don't think but for me that that, that works um, yeah well that's yeah yeah that, that's your that's your experience so that's your truth which you can't yeah you know you can't make up but it your, is a, it is a hard one that's your and, experience. and it, it's a real bugger because it's it's because for me, that was the thing that got me through gigs. It was a thing, you know, the embarrassment of gigs, yeah. the embarrassment of parties, any social situation. You know, I am absolutely useless. Um, so to, to have to say goodbye to it, it was like saying goodbye to a, to a kind of a, well, I say a, a, a more socially kind of confident, cooler person, but actually that's, confident cooler person who was quite funny and entertaining went too far as well so he was a bit of a twit um to be honest um so so but 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 in the short term he was he was pretty he was pretty cool you just had to watch him after he's had too many uh, <laughs> he yeah. start asking I guess he, he wasn't, wasn't really I guess he real. Wasn't a real person, and I yeah. think Louise Weiner, Weiner said something about you know, Graham was nice until he had, you know, he asked you to marry him and all of this after a couple of drinks, and then he just turned into this like monster. And yeah, you know, that's that's it. It's it's sort of 
that's that's what it does to to to, to people um well to me it did, that's what it did to to, yeah. to to me really it that everything i internalized then, would come out like a hurricane um and to learn learn to just generally externalize i mean i internalized anger i didn't think i'd ever get i ever got angry but i realized recently that when i was angry it didn't feel like anger it was actually a sort of a feeling of humiliation or a feeling of high anxiety like my skin was tingling i was like oh actually no this isn't this is actually anger this is internalized anger actually mm-hmm. So it was a very strange um, moment when I realised that. And it's like, well, I've got to just get that out. So well, how do you do that? And mm. it's like, if you're angry, say you're angry. That's all you have to do. <laughs> Not go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess it's funny, it's funny you say that because I feel I've been talking to my counsellor about a similar thing and actually anger is my, is my go-to emotion. And I, again, I always thought of myself as a very just like placid, friendly, happy, like go-lucky guy. But actually that anger is, is there. Um, and when combined with anxiety and that embarrassment that you talk about, which is so spot on, because that's what it feels like being anxious is constantly embarrassed about everything, literally everything you do. And then internalizing that and analyzing what you've just said and feeling embarrassed about the embarrassment. And it just goes on and on. It's never ending circle. But I, I get, I, I find older, the older I've got, it's, it's still difficult, but I've been able to maybe understand it a bit more. Sort of as I'm a bit older, so at least I can understand. Oh, okay, I think I know what's happening now, so I can. Doesn't make it easy dealing with, but I think I can sort of try to understand because I'm a bit older. I mean, I but, guess when you get older, um, you can't you can't no, you speed can't. up you can't and, speed and, up life, can and, you? and it just does that by itself when you get older as well, doesn't it? But um, I suppose it's accepting as well. It's just accepting, um, and and it not being such a big issue to you. And and I suppose as you get older, you do care a little less about what what people think and you may celebrate your quirks a little more um but yeah i mean it's it's still it's it's still difficult and you can talk about it all you like and you can go into your settings and you can switch that little thing from default to whatever it should be but you suddenly put yourself in front of somebody you don't know very well in a social situation it clicks back to default and you can't do anything about it you're like no and it's like dush and it's like damn you know and it's and it's very very difficult to 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 rewire all of that or to alter that that template or whatever that you are and to stop you attributing everybody else with that same wiring no one's thinking you're a flipping idiot as soon as you walk into the supermarket no one's going god look at that idiot what what is he wearing on no one's doing that (laughs) you just think they are they're they're not it's it's really uh it's a it's a weird thing very weird (laughs) well that's so true because that that's why do i feel like around some people that i sort of know quite well i'm this really like easygoing guy i think oh this guy's great this gym's great and then i meet my next door neighbor who i'm desperately friends with (laughs) but don't know very well and i click back into awkward can't get the words out Jim and I think oh I hate this guy why am I two different people but you know it it takes a while doesn't it I mean you know when I meet someone new you know and 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 I am so so anxious I'm tripping over I'm saying stupid things and then I'm going over it in my head again and again and again that evening and why am I such an idiot and and and, um, I scare everyone away with my idiocy and then and but but then after (laughs) I mean, sometimes quite a number of months, 
then um, I can I can I open up but it sometimes takes a long time and it's frustrating and but they will notice and then I, I will notice that I've I've said something stupid or that was meant to be funny or I've just relaxed and I'm like all oh, right yeah 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 I've, 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 I've noticed there's there's a change but it does take a long time yeah yeah same for me it's annoying when you first meet them because you think you're, you're not you're seeing such a crap version of me like you're not seeing the, there is a good version by the way and uh, he's quite funny and like he's okay you're not seeing him right now you're seeing like the sort of beta version but like there is a yeah like, it's it just is. it's frustrating it, 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 it is, is really but, really but frustrating what's quite good about it is that that person that you're being that that way with quite often is is their beta version at the same time so yeah. you're a couple of idiots yeah. you know just just yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not quite being you know feeling able to be themselves restricting themselves in this mad anxious yeah. sort of way you know and and both probably yeah opening up gradually at the same time yeah it's a, it's a, it's odd i was going to yeah. say cuz obviously you were saying that you were wrapped kind of with anxiety and stuff when you were you know before performing and stuff but was performing when you were in there doing it, was that ever a good escape for you? Or were you, and was it just the stuff that was around, you know, the sort of build up to performing and all that? Or when you were actually in there doing it, was that was that an escape for you? Or was it continually just part of the process? Well, yeah, yeah. Being in there and doing it, obviously the focus will take you away absolutely from yourself. And, 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 I suppose when I used to get, I mean, I mean, this isn't, I mean, this is just last year, you know, I mean, obviously when anxiety just gets too much, mm. I can, I'd either sit down, lie down on the sofa for 20 minutes and just go, all right, all right, calm down. Or, you know, just try and play some Davy Graham on an acoustic guitar. And it just takes your brain away from, from self as they say you know from from yourself and it focuses your brain and and all of that disappears it's a bit like um it's a sort of a weird tinnitus isn't it it's it's a bit like that your brain will focus on it until it's distracted yeah yeah weirdly i sort of find <laughs> i find a similar thing this is not parenting advice coming up by the way but i find a similar thing with our 18 month old daughter that if she does something that upsets her if you distract her then she forgets about that so she's like falling over and bumped her head or bumped her knee or something and you're like oh maria look at look at this oh this is happening then she forgets about that and that's she says and she's 18 months and actually i'm 36 it's the same thing it's the same thing if i'm feeling anxious or something's taken over my brain it's then suddenly being present and distracting it it's funny it's the same technique and it doesn't yeah, change that is, that is, a, that, that, that is a really good one to do with kids isn't it I think that is quite good isn't it to just distract them or yeah, yeah you Seems fall to work over so yourself far. or yeah all that sort of yeah I mean my, my kids are a bit older and that doesn't work so well or maybe it does <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely crazy being being a parent yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I've got um yeah, well, my kids are just yeah. sort of into the early stages of teen life, so uh, fourteen and twelve. So, yeah, it's, it's different challenges. Different challenges. <laughs> <laughs> well, you start to see kind of the kind of like you know talking about anxiety. You know, I've always always been a very anxious person. I've had suffered from anxiety, probably a bit like you, Graham. Always kind of been in there, but only kind of acknowledged it in the last sort of ten, fifteen years, perhaps. Um, but then you start to see your children's anxieties and and wanting to make sure that they don't go into a similar way of living as you do. Um, so that's that's a challenge as well. Just trying to sort of compensate, I suppose, but then not but not overly compensating. So it's it's such a tricky thing, isn't it? Being it, is, it is tricky, and you and you, this it, just sort of happens. I mean, you, you know. Um, this is why I think it's kind of important and, and goes into the 12 step thing as well for me about resentments and about not holding mm. grudges and resentments against parents. Parents were doing their, their yeah. best. And I always think of the Philip Larkin poem. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I think yeah. about it as about myself now and it's like, oh my yeah, God, I'm yeah. messing my children up and I don't even know it. And I'm doing my best. And, you know, one day they might be totally angry with me. And But I, I, I don't really believe in uh, well, I had I had a bereavement recently, anyway. But um, um, holding people, you know, giving people that that resentment, and um, because they were doing their best, they can't. You can't change what what happened in the past, and all you're going to do is upset somebody in the present. Mm. So um, just um, leave it, and just work on what you can work on on yourself about that that, that situation you know and, and there's there's really no point in causing more aggro for no, other people and mm. yourself you know yeah ha, ha, let, letting stuff go is simultaneously the, one of the most freeing but difficult things at the same time it can it can really it can be a very yeah freeing thing to do but it's, it's it's so hard it is hard and sometimes it involves a conversation where it's actually against your you know your your own better judgment it's you that are apologizing for your side of things and maybe that's the way it yeah. kicks it off you know I've, 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 I still think I've got two or three people to probably say sorry to if I bump into them you know uh, and quite often it's received in such a positive way and then they, they it, it, um, and quite often they will apologise for their side of it they won't just go mm. oh, well bugger off see I told you it was always your fault you idiot yeah, yeah. <laughs> it quite often doesn't happen that way they, yeah. they, they usually take that bit of humility and it inspires them to just go yeah that's really nice of you to say that and I, I'm absolutely yeah I'm, I'm sorry as well and then, yeah. ping, and then it's gone. Yeah. Saying saying sorry is one of the most powerful things you can do. I'll let you guys in on a little secret. When I was a kid, this is from primary school. I don't remember where I got it from, but I used to have a little tactic, which was if I was in trouble, either I'd got sent to the principal's office or just with my teacher, and it was or wasn't my fault. It didn't matter what it was. First words out of my mouth as soon as I got into the head teacher's office was, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so miss. I'm so sorry, and it it diffused everything. Even if it wasn't my fault, 
I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And it worked an every apologist. time. And I never, got, wow. I never got in trouble. I don't know if that makes yeah, me a bit maybe. of a sociopath or not, but I just... Well, it, just well, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's the power. It's the, what I yeah. learned early is the power of I'm sorry. And obviously, like, it's not something I do anymore, but I now, now I know that if I am genuinely sorry for something, if you say those words... And sometimes they can, they can feel like a lump in your throat coming out. Like They can feel so mm. difficult to say. But once it's out, like as you said, it... it invariably makes things better rarely makes it worse yeah (laughs) (laughs) a little inside into my it's good I've always found it very I've always found it very difficult yeah um, because you're um, admitting a failing aren't you you're you're admitting some Mm, and you're and you're and you're and you're opening yourself up to the to uh, attack you're being vulnerable because you're yeah. saying, I'm sorry, um, I'm letting my defences down, blast away. <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you could just yeah. get shot yeah. to pieces, yeah. but, but that there is something about yeah. that that puts somebody on your side just maybe long enough. Yeah. For them to not shoot you to death, yeah. you know. But we're, but when. <laughs> But we're not, um, I don't think we're sort of brought up or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of nurtured to have our defences down. I think we're nurt- We're told to have our defences up quite a lot, which is why when you do let them down, it suddenly, it does really feel really vulnerable and open and naked and like, oh shit. Like I could, yeah, I can, it always goes back to like the caveman yeah. times, like fight or flight kind of thing. Like, oh fuck, I'm going to get, I'm going to get eaten now. I'm going to get stampeded upon. Wow. Yeah. I think it's sort of something in it. But I think it's a natural. So it but. is almost naturally male, and it's and it's something that yeah doesn't really you know it's like it's like a kind of an appendix. It doesn't really have to be there anymore, you know. Um, so just just sort yeah. of get rid of it, and you have to practice getting rid of things. You know, I mean, I, I I'm sort of yeah. in the. I'm sort of in the assertiveness gym every day, you know, and it's like, that's exhausting. Do I have to spend much, how much more time am I going to have to be in the assertiveness gym? Just practicing it every day on everybody, <laughs> so true, just yeah. a little bit until it's, you know, it becomes natural or I'm get better at it or I'm strong. You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's tiring. It it's really tiring. Yeah. The assertiveness yeah. gym. Good name for a band as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> or That's short, the ass to... gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different, different band, different, different type of music. That. Going back to music, um, Graham. Obviously, you've had a really accomplished solo career as well. I mean, I, I, yeah, some some fantastic. I mean, so many. Again, I guess wearing a lot of your musical. Um, well, I guess education on your sleeve in a lot of them with you know various different things oh like, you know, my you've... gosh I th- sorry you've gone oh, really slow you, motion have, have I gone slow motion as well you've just frozen oh you've you've paused yeah you've paused the, the wonders of zoom <laughs> I'm sorry I'm yeah, laughing but it you're it you've turned into a sort bit. of a Dalek at the moment <laughs> well you you've also paused in a very uh interesting 
uh, faces. Well. Like, there you are, you're back. Sorry, that was nuts. <laughs> Hopefully that's on my logic. You turned into... What? That was crazy. And you just went into the slowest motion ever. Sorry. Uh, let's cut that out. Sorry, could you say that again? <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. We'll cut that. You'd, you'd frozen in a very strange position as well. Which is no, I was gonna, what I was trying to say was... Yeah, your your albums have been incredibly eclectic. Like, and actually, like wearing on your sleeve, just very much a lot of those inspirational kind of bits of genres and music that you've taken over the years. Is that something that was really important to you when you first started doing your solo stuff? Was to to embrace all those different genres of music that you've loved over the years? I guess so. I don't really know why I felt the need to. A, a neighbour of mine had written a film, and. Um... Or he'd written a script, you know, that he wouldn't. He was hopefully going to mm. get made into a film. It never happened. But he came to me. He was like, "You're in music. Can you? You can write us a couple of songs for your <laughs> script, can't you, mate?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." Um, up until then, I I sort of collaborated with with a band. Mm. You know, how are we going to start this song? What should we do with the middle eight? How should we end it? You know, what's the solo section going to be? And blah blah blah. I hadn't really written songs from scratch particularly. So that kicked me off. 97 or something like that. Mm. And um, I just thought, oh, I, I actually quite, I enjoy this process. I like, you know, it was very simple words, simple chord progressions and things like that. And after a bit, I had enough for an album. I thought, well, I'll record it. And I wasn't going to put it out in my name or anything. I didn't know what to do with it. And I got Damon down to the studio and any of these can be if we want to use any of these for blur you know and he was like nah don't think so <laughs> i think he was quite into the fact that he wrote the songs and we kicked them about and got them into shape and that was sort of how how we did it in blur mm. and then my manager then neve she said well just put it out just put your name on it why 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 be ashamed of why be weird and apologetic about it you know just stick it out and and that sort of kicked me off so it was my neighbor wanting songs for his film that never got made that that, that got me kind of writing solo stuff and and it's a it's a it's a sort of an addictive thing once you start to write mm. songs and you're like oh i put that quite well you know and it was it was fun finding the chord progression and also it was the, the the focus of it that you know it, mm. it took you away and for for years in my into my in my thirties I would just have an acoustic guitar there and it on the sofa and and I would just be writing songs but I realised they started to get a bit better when I took my break from Blur or they took their break from me and we still don't know which one it is. And um, <clears throat> between 2002 and 8, 9 or something. Um, mm -hmm. And I wrote Freaking Out and Bittersweet Bundle of Misery. And I thought, oh, these are actually, I'm getting better at this sort of thing. And then decided to um, get Stephen Street to produce it. And it become a little bit more of, a, of a, a, their official sort of solo albums. Mm. That's not, I don't even know if that relates to what your question at all. I, I always no, do well, I was It's like that thing where no, they say when you go through doorways, you forget why you've gone into a room. Have you heard that thing? So yeah, true. yeah, absolutely. I just went into the kitchen. Yeah. And I just don't know what. Like, where am I? What am I? What doing? did I come in here for? Yeah. yeah. When you open the fridge, you're like, oh, what did I? Open? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That was. It was. <laughs> I was just kind of asking about 
it was more the, the eclectic nature of like the music on the albums, really. Right. Like because um, and and also what I loved about it was all the 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 packaging as well, which obviously had some of your artwork on it. Yeah, and I remember buying. I think it, was, it might have been the first or second album which had um, the CD was obviously the carded sleeve, and then you had like the little foam disc that you could yeah. put the CD on. I, I thought just the whole thing was which just came so wonderful. Off eventually. Like, yeah, um, <laughs> mine stayed on. Mine stayed on. Oh, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, um, but I just the whole thing was so great, and I just remember thinking it was it was kind of a departure, obviously from from your work with Blur, which I guess is what you kind of want, really. You want it to be different. Um, I was exploring but also showed a lot more of, of you. Yeah, I was exploring. Kind of, I was watching a lot of skate videos, and and I suppose some of the mm. heavier music and some of the hip hop stuff on that was was filtering through to me a little bit. And, and so I had an album that had a lot of sort of more of a metalier sort of sound and, and, and also two Mission of Burma covers on one album, which is a bit much. <laughs> but what's good, though, is that I have met people that for my, my first album, it was a big deal, you know, and it was it was an album that was extremely important to them. And, and that touched me. I mean, it, because it for me, it was. It was just a way of you know splurging about a few things and just just Mm. just exploring Mm. some sounds and things like that but for it to mean so much to people that i've talked to it's amazing it's it's pretty amazing and i get that a lot on sort of like twitter about a lot of my music because i i'm sort of wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit and i have been quite open and and honest about i've sang about my my life and experiences and Mm then that it, that it has helped people through hard times and that's good and when i when when i do live stuff particularly if it's um just me and an acoustic guitar which is the most terrifying thing we 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 play we play um um what's what's the word is it is it um is it autobiographical or not is the, is is it an autobiographical or a not autobiographical song so after the song we we take a little vote and whether mm. it's about something real or imagined <laughs> so that's, that's kind of an interesting game yeah i think i mean yeah happiness in magazines got me through my final oh, really? year of uni by the way, it was uh, meant a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do very well. My final. You listening to the album? I'm sure, it's no correlation, but it, <laughs> I was listening to the album too much. I, uh, but yeah, no, that was. Oh, that great! Was, I played that a lot in my in my th- in, in my between third Supernatural year. And, um, <laughs> Supernaturals had sort of fallen away by then, unfortunately. Um, bless them. But um, yeah, God, I listened to that a lot. Um, but I think if you're if you're being truthful in songs, and I guess it's really true of any art. I think but if you are being truthful, then there's way more chance of people resonating with it and it getting through to people because they will recognise themselves in the anger, the anxiety, you know, the the hurt or whatever. They will see themselves in it, and I think you, I think that's kind of number one thing for anyone that's trying to create art. Yeah, you, you have to be sort of truthful. I think I think you have to be truthful way. to yourself. You don't have to be mega detailed, particularly. I, I think. I think what I learned is to be absolutely truthful, but but to to be re- sort of reasonably vague enough for people to be able to wear that song for themselves, to put themselves in it. Mm. I think when you get too detailed, um, then then that might shut people out. 
And I think, mm. and I think I realized that when I started doing the soundtrack stuff to the end of the effing world and things like that, that I had to keep yeah. it vague because characters in a TV show had to occupy these, these songs as well. So when there were songs that had lyrics yeah. to not, not grab the attention so much that this is an environment for the characters to be in. So that was another sort of um, thing to think about. But but I also realised that generally being kind of vague is, is kind of... I mean, classical music is like the ultimate conveyor of emotion and that's pretty vague. I mean, no one is... There's no lyrics there telling you what to feel, mm. you know, but it makes you feel, geez, you know, it's pretty amazing. So... Um, yeah. So I thought that was kind of important to to be to be truthful and to get the gist over to people, but to leave room for them to to um um assimilate. What's the word to 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 put themselves within it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Put themselves in it. Is that yeah. something you'd like to do more of the soundtrack stuff? Actually, you know what? I'm very grateful to to, to have done those because it got me working the old muscles you know it got me mm. to have a work ethic and a workflow that now i won't ever forget i know that if i get up uh start work at half nine finish work at half five then something will happen and 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 the more you do it the more things will happen you know um i, I didn't know this stuff when i started and um but i think one of my most popular songs came out of came out of that this walking all day you know that kind of weird little yeah, country yeah. country kind of blues song really which was just inspired by seeing james and elisa from end of the effing world with him with no t-shirt on walking through walking through the woods you know and um but it got it got me into a a, a, a workflow with how i dealt with equipment i you know, if I click that, then I'm on the acoustic guitar. I click that again, mm. then I'm doing the vocal and having things there to grab. And, you know, some days I'd have four things that I'd done that day and I'd be sending them off and it'd be quite quick. Um, other days, not so much, but I get better and better because you're using using those those muscles. So I'm really grateful mm. that that actually, because it's something that Damon would say, yeah, it's a work ethic thing. You, you just do it. It's like you're going to work. You, know, mm. you do a nine to five. Um, and it and it does work whether you really want to or not. Oh, God. I I, I'm not feeling great today. I think I'll just give it a miss. And then your other brain says, I don't care that you're not feeling great. You're going to get in there and you're going to turn a microphone on, pick a guitar up. And, and then maybe you're like, you thank yourself because you've got, you might have uh, two little great little tunes by four o'clock in the afternoon and you're feeling better about everything so it's yeah, kind exactly. of it is worth yeah. giving it a go rather than sitting about moaning yeah i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah but there's so much easier it's so much easier to uh, do yeah. that though isn't it sit around but and mope I'm, I'm a lot better I think at that it's than i am actually good to do that i think everyone needs sometimes a day or an afternoon to have that or a week if they want you know it's absolutely fine so long as they uh remember to get out of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i was just going to ask when, when if you are having days where it's not coming what do you do but i guess you've kind of answered that well you can you, you go you through can... but do you have any techniques or i just say get simpler be simple just use two chords 
Because quite often that's all it is. I mean, you're probably making it more complicated for yourself than it need be. Or go for a walk around the block. Um, or go for a sleep and hopefully it's all been sorted out in your sleep when you wake up and there it is. <laughs> or, I don't know, watch the blood, watch the news. And, you know, do just take yourself away from it for a yeah. bit. You know, they say if you can't sleep, get out of bed. Don't associate your, don't get the association with your bed and, and sleeplessness or restlessness mm. can't sleep get out of bed for 20 minutes get back in bed and and so i suppose if you're in your creative space and you're sitting there and you're going off your head because you're self-loathing and you know, i can't come up with anything genius it's been five minutes and you know you <laughs> go take yourself out for a walk i have a cup of tea or something I don't know. yeah well a cup of tea yeah, there's nothing a cup of tea can't fix yeah. to be honest Unless it's number 10 of the day, then you've probably... I'm sure some of the best songs ever were written post-Cup of Tea. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The Wild Side by Lou Reed. I'm sure that was after a a cup of tea. (laughs) Good vibrations. I'm sure that was after a nice cup of tea. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Graham, it's been such a treat to talk to you today, honestly. That's been lovely, Um, Genuine, Genuine, huge fan of all your work um and and it's just been yeah been so lovely to talk to you and thank you for being so uh thoughtful f- with us and um yeah right. it's lovely to it's see you in nice. your in your music room it's like harry of... potter's under the stairs room isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can't come out it's until you've written a, something good. Yeah, yeah. so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, uh too, no it's man. been lovely talking to you thank you so much go graham coxham what a legend i mean i think we sort of i think we knew he was going to be good but i mean that was just what a great episode such such a good guy for coming on and just talking so openly about so much stuff um yeah i just that, that was just and again like we sort of said our you know one of our musical heroes really so it was a real treat for us that was brilliant and of course um we talked to graham a bit further after we finished the main pod which goes out on all the platforms uh, where you normally get your podcast for free yeah. um, because we've done this new feature feature where we've got the Patreons yeah. and listen to some ad- additional content. So that was really fun to be able to put a question directly to Graham about um, an aspect of his work. And yeah. Um, yeah, if people want to sign up to Patreon, they can hear that, which was a great com- bit of extra conversation, wasn't it? Yeah, he really opened up about a, yeah. about a particular song, I think we can say, can't we? And yeah. it's really fascinating actually hearing him sort of reflect and and open up about it so yeah that is exclusive to our patrons so if you go to patreon.com forward slash blank podcast uh you can sign up there and um hear what graham had to say it was uh yeah it was great yeah and this is obviously going to be a feature that we're going to do in every pods going forward as well that you know we're going to have these sort of additional bits of content that people can sign up for you know if you're a big you know if you're a super fan of blank and you want to hear a bit extra from our guests um a bit more insight and you know it's actually really interesting how much more conversation you can have actually with just one particular question um yeah we obviously put into our guests going forward and yeah so that's some a great little thing that we're, we're wanting to do going forward so yeah please do sign up for the patreon and you can get this extra stuff 
Yeah, exactly. That's our plan going forward, doing an extra question at the end for our patrons. So it, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash blank podcast. And there's various tiers. Uh, there's a $3 tier, which I think comes up at £2.50, where you get the the ad, uh, the ad episodes ad-free and earlier than normal. The $5 tier is where you get the extra content. Uh, oh, no, it's not. Hang on. Shit. The... <coughs> Yes, it is. The five dollar tier is where you get the extra. <laughs> Shall I do that again? Yeah. The five dollar tier is where you get the, which is about four pound fifty, the extra question at the end, and then there's other tiers as well. A uh, ten dollar one, where we can get um, access to the patron only Facebook group and twenty percent off merch, and then there's a fifteen dollar tier where you're going to get extra bonus episodes from me and Giles. So mm. whatever you fancy, um, it is available for you there at patreon.com forward slash blank podcast we'd love you to sign up yeah and we'll be banging on about it in the next well forever now <laughs> uh, probably so, forever yeah, so yeah you'll be sick of hearing about patreon stuff i'm looking forward to the facebook group though and yeah, cultivating a little yeah. group i'm sure that's gonna be loads of fun mm. I, yeah absolutely i can't wait it's lovely to interact with our with our listeners so but yeah going back to the grand pod it was fantastic i i love talking to him i'm a big fan of his work and i got to uh, I know you said at the beginning I could, I could nerd, be a bit nerdy about music, <laughs> like we're talking about interfaces and, and studio sets up, setups. Not that I've got much for studio setup, but uh, it was nice looking into Graham's little recording room mm. and he had all his gear and like some basses in the back and guitars sitting up. And that was really interesting. And yeah, I got to sort of waffle on about Fugazi, who are a band that I love. <laughs> and we're introduced by my good friend Pat. So I have to give Pat a shout out. Um, he introduced me to Fugazi and um, yeah, hugely huge admirer of their work and i know graham is as well so it was a, i was able to kind of geek out a bit with about that as well and it, it turns out we might have even actually been at the same gig at the yeah. East swing in um in brighton which was a phenomenal gig so yeah that was really cool we had a great great chat and um you know it was so nice of him to be so sort of candid and open as well about his you know the, the difficult times during yeah his crib particularly in the early noughties where i think he was having real struggles with alcohol and um sort of knowing how to get some help and stuff which i think it's yeah. something that is you know sorely lacking in that industry yeah it's, it was a real insight into into the sort of struggles of working in that industry really and yeah really appreciating being being open about it mm. um so yeah i think it was i think people maybe don't quite understand what a musician's life is like sometimes you see all the the glamorous side of it but i think actually a lot of it is is not enjoyable so um yeah, and I, I know that was a difficult time for him, so I appreciate him mm. opening up, up about it. Um, but if, if there's going to be one, any guest, Charles, that you get to sort of nerd out musically, I mean, it's going to be someone like Graham Cox. Isn't it? Exactly. He's the ideal guest for you to uh, to do that. Oh, perfect, perfect. And I know I know he's, he said, and I've seen him on other interviews saying that he's not very techie, but uh, I, I'm not very techie either, but we, we know what we know, I guess, and that's, mm. the, that's the exciting bit. But um, yeah, yeah, big fan of his work, so it's a real like uh i know a hero of both of us so it's really mm. great to have him on the podcast and i really appreciate him coming on so thank you graham yeah top man thank you graham thank you to our listeners for listening we do really appreciate it if you want to get in contact and let us know whether you've enjoyed this episode or any other episodes you've enjoyed um please do tweet us our twitter handle is at blank pod and we're also on instagram and facebook and it's the same handle it is at blank pod and if you fancy sending us an email we'd love to hear from you as well on uh, almost sounds quite retro now emails but we do still have one um our email address is the blank podcast 2018 at gmail.com it is indeed uh, and that's it that's the end of the episode so uh thank you very much graham thank you to our listeners thank you giles thank you jim
and and, and thank you to in advance to our future Patreon supporters. Well, we do have thing is this is this is off air. We do have three that have been with us forever. Shall we? Although they're not on the uh, hang on, they're not on the tier that gets a shout out. No, <laughs> which so one's number one? <laughs> Should we just leave it? Because I think yeah, no, I think hang on, which ones get a shout out? Uh, thank you, Red Out Live on. No, it's a top. It's a fifteen dollar tier. Yeah, so no, we don't, we don't. But we'll say thank you. We do have some. So let's say thank you to our mm. patrons that we do have, yeah. and hopefully we'll have some more. And thank you to our patrons that we do have at the moment, and we hope that many more will sign up in the future. Come on board, join in the fun. And join the gang, and we hope that you'll uh, be part of the party. Well, and like we say, it's a community. This now, the blank blank has become a community. So, join the community. Join our our, our community of kindness, compassion, and blankness. Ah, there you go. Oh, we should make that the tagline on the Patreon page. Um, beautifully <laughs> done. We should be in advertising. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your week. We're back next week with another uh, episode on the Blank Podcast. Until then, stay safe, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.